Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact. There. Oh, what a block by Wallace what? on a jump ball. He's down four, 12, 8, 7, 38 to play the first one. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Tapped up, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk. Detroit Pistons fans, welcome to another episode of Palace of Pistons podcast. And no, it's not the year 2015, although... Uh, by the sound of my voice, it may feel like that. Uh, we are back with the Palace of Pistons podcast with the Detroit Pistons finally returning from a what seemed like a multi-year hiatus. Um, we're back. We're podcasting. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and with me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, very, very happy to be back. Very, very happy to be here. And very happy to be talking to you, who, for the people that have followed Palace of Pistons, and even back when we were Pistons Nation, this is where it really all began in terms of podcasting. It was yourself and I that began the podcast, and I'm very, very excited to be able to to talk with you and do this podcast and bring the podcast back after uh, obviously too long of a hiatus. Uh, it's been far too long since we got on the airwaves and began talking about the Detroit Pistons, which is obviously some obviously something we very much enjoy so to do so very excited to bring it back and obviously with how much that has happened over the the course of time between our last podcast and now specifically we're going to be focusing on the off season but there is so so much to talk about there is a ton to get to and we undoubtedly won't get to all of it um but the podcast is back we'll be bringing you uh pistons updates and news and acquisitions and it seems like Troy Weaver is going to make that a, a bit of a habit with how many acquisitions and, and uh, big moves he has made um, we will have it all covered and we're really happy to have the podcast back but first off um, the, it's been a long hiatus I think since May the podcast has, has been sort of been put on the back burner um, we hope everyone is staying safe uh, out there we know this is a pretty difficult time the holidays are not the happiest times for everybody but it's important to to be staying safe. Um, uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot happening in the health world, and there's a lot happening uh, in people's lives right now. And um, hopefully, this podcast will be just another thing that um, that uh, can bring you a little bit of a distraction. Um, we are really excited to be talking basketball. The Pistons have not played in a long time. For those of you who don't know, I am in the city of Cleveland. I'm a Cavaliers fan, and there's not been a lot of Cavaliers basketball. We've both been non-bubble fans <laughs> uh, since since the bubble was put into place, but uh, really excited to be back. So let's dive right into it, Aaron. How's that sound? Oh, I'm more than ready to do that, Mike. All right. We'll go to uh, the NBA draft first. You know, the draft and free agency back-to-back, like within a span of a couple of hours, it seemed, that was chaos. That was completely hectic, and I don't know if I want it more or less, but um, it was totally hectic. So let's let's go over the Pistons draft. They had a very eventful draft. Um, they are going to be one of the younger teams in the NBA next year, and um, that gets started with Killian Hayes, who was drafted seventh overall. Aaron, I'm a big fan of Killian Hayes, you and I, and the rest of our Palace of Pistons chat. We all wanted Killian Hayes basically from the get-go. We wanted a young point guard to build around and Hayes definitely seems like he's the perfect fit for the Pistons. Absolutely. Mike, I was talking about Hayes back in mid to late January, early February, uh, talking about what Hayes could bring to the table. To be honest with you, he's my favorite prospect in the entire NBA draft. Uh, I said that long before the Pistons drafted him, that I really liked him. I also was very fond of Denny Advia, who obviously went to the Washington Wizards um, and was should have been, I think, in my opinion, the pick of your Cleveland Cavaliers, but that's another topic for another time. Um, but Killian Hayes is 
the best pick possible for the Pistons. I would have taken him at one if Detroit would have traded up to one. And obviously, I would have taken him at seven, which is what they did. Great size for a point guard at 6'5". He can handle the ball. He can score the ball. His jump shot is a bit of a development, but there's stuff there to it, unlike prospects that have previously come to Detroit without a jump shot, like a Stanley Johnson. Hayes has shown the potential to really shoot the basketball. He can do so off the dribble. Obviously, he doesn't do as much of it in catch-and-suit situations as he's a ball-dominant point guard, but as one of the youngest players in the draft with an incredible basketball IQ, passing ability, the experience of already playing professional basketball at such a young age, there is so much to like about Killian Hayes. He's a great team defender. He understands defensive concepts very well. He showed overseas that he can score in isolation. He can score out of the pick and roll, which we'll get into why that's important later when we talk about maybe some of the free agent signings of Detroit. But he is just very advanced with his offensive game as a ball mover, as a ball handler, scoring off the dribble, attacking the basket, pulling back for a pull-up jumper. He can do so many different things. You know, you look at his three-point percentage in Germany. It wasn't great, but one thing that you look at is 42% of his three-pointers came off the dribble. So he was taking a lot of shots with the ball already in his hand, working within the offense. And that's something that I think as he develops over time and plays in an NBA offense with some more ball handlers and just better players in general, his those three-point percentages are going to go up. Uh, but there's just so, so much to like about him there's very much a chance that he becomes a very good two-way point guard. He can really play on both sides of the ball. His offensive game is already very, very advanced for an 18-year-old. I think when you look at prospects and you compare him coming into the NBA, comparing him to LaMelo Ball, uh, who is someone that was talked about a lot as a potential fit for the Detroit Pistons, um, he just he's, he's more NBA ready. And, and not that the Pistons necessarily need that right now, but you would like to have guys that can come in and play NBA basketball right away. And Killian Hayes is going to be able to do that. Uh, He just has more experience, uh, more skill to his game currently. Not that LaMelo ball isn't a good prospect and that's not a knock on LaMelo ball by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at Hayes's play compared to LaMelo's uh, LaMelo's in Australia and obviously Hayes in Germany, Hayes just played better and he looks more complete right now to me. Not that we need to compare those. This isn't a Luke Kennard and Donovan Mitchell comparison that is going to go on or was going on throughout Kennard's entire time as a Piston or the Stanley Johnson and Justice Winslow back in the day when people thought Detroit should have drafted Winslow and they took Johnson. There's not really a comparison to that, uh, and that's not what this is going to be. But that was just to make somewhat of a comparison. But I really, really do like Hayes. I think it was a great selection for Detroit. And now Troy Weaver has his point guard of the future, at least right now, to start building his team with and see how he looks and how he develops in year one in Detroit. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams want to build around a point guard. That, that seems to be the new thing. Like, back in the early 2000s, it seemed like teams were going to build around a big. You know, you, you draft a big, you, you get a rim protector, and then you build around that. Now it seems to have totally flipped. I mean, the Cavs picked a point guard. They built around him, you know just to use a, a more recent example in a, in a way uh, the Hornets are doing the same thing with getting Lamella ball, you know, they're going to put stuff around him. They already did that with Gordon Hayward, um, but they're, they're building around a point guard. And I have not watched too, too much killing Hayes, but in, in what I have seen, he is uh, he, he has the court vision to make smart passes. And he, that does result in a lot of turnovers because he's a young guy and maybe tries to squeeze uh, the window a little bit too tightly, but he, you know, those, those are turnovers that, to me as a young kid, I am okay with because it shows that he has the vision to, to make those smart passes. And eventually he, he will maybe shy away from some of those tougher passes that he knows he can't make, but that could lead to some very, very smart, uh, very forward thinking dimes, especially once you get some players around him um, that he can lean on a little bit more. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like Hayes is going to be, well, I, I, I believe we have word he's going to be the starting point guard, but do, do you see him sliding over to the two and playing with Derrick Rose? I think it's very possible in Dwayne Casey's system. And, and 
you know, his way of coaching. I'm very happy to hear that Casey coming into a training camp has named him the starting point guard. Obviously, you know, he's going to have to perform in training camp to keep that spot, but it seems very likely that he's going to be the opening night starting point guard for the Pistons, uh, which is a great sign. Obviously, we know that Dwayne Casey is kind of known for his tough love to what he brings to the table in terms of developing his young talent. We saw that a lot last year. I think Christian Wood is a great example of Wood was obviously more talented than Thon Maker, but he was going to make him earn it over Thon and outperform him uh, in the minutes that he got off the bench and sparingly got, and then as well in practices and whatnot. But I like the idea of giving Hayes the, the, the ball right away. Obviously, he needs to perform in training camp and show promise at different levels, but I think it's the right decision. And, and I do think there's a chance we see him or Derrick Rose, maybe not even peg one of them as the one or two. You know, I don't think it will really matter. Uh, Dwayne Casey likes playing two, even three-guard lineups, you know, two-point guards, three-point guard lineups at times. So I think it's very possible that we see them on the court together at, at some point this year. And, you know, it, it just it wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't shock me either. Um, and, and there's going to be a, a lot of turnovers. There's going to be a lot of mistakes. Liken a point guard, a rookie point guard, starting immediately to a rookie quarterback starting immediately, there's such a steep learning curve in leading an offense and initiating the offense that there's going to be there's going to be growing pains. You know, th- that's just the nature of having a rookie point guard lead the way. The good news is that much like the Cavs with Colin Sexton, I'm just going to keep beating in the Cavaliers comparisons, is that he does have a very good power forward to lean on in Blake Griffin for at least the time being, uh, assuming that Detroit can't move him for a haul of prospects. But much like Colin Sexton, who had love theoretically to lean on until Love was throwing temper tantrums and got injured and wasn't available, um, it's going to be good to have uh, Blake helping him out in the offense, essentially to get things ready and, and having Derek Rose, you know, next to him would help uh, a ton. I agree. I don't think there's going to be a point guard and a shooting guard specifically outlined, but I think you'll see just the two guards working in tandem together. And with regards to some hardware, I think that Killian Hayes, just because he's going to have so much court time, he's going to get the ball uh, a lot. He's going to be essentially given the keys to the offense um, I think he is a legitimate rookie of the year candidate because he's going to get such a volume of minutes. Um, however, I, I think Obi Toppin is going to get a similar huge volume of minutes and he's going to be putting up double doubles in Madison Square Garden, which will certainly elevate him to a different status than maybe Killian Hayes would have if he was putting up similar numbers in Detroit. But personally, I think Hayes is a, is a big time candidate for rookie of the year just purely because of the volume um, of time he's going to have on uh, the court. I think there's a chance, absolutely. I think there is, and obviously that remains to be seen with the health of the Detroit Pistons roster. But if they do stay relatively healthy, you have to think that Blake Griffin and Jeremy Grant are going to command a lot of attention offensively. Um, Derrick Rose is obviously going to play a lot when he's healthy, and he's going to command the ball a lot. But I still yep. think there's a path for Killian Hayes to win Rookie of the Year. Obviously, especially guys like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin are going to miss time, which will create more opportunities and uh, put more pressure on a player like Killian Hayes to perform and lead the team on, an, on a gamely basis. But I, I certainly see a path. I don't know if he'd be my favorite. I think Obi Toppin probably yep. is someone that belongs in that category discussion as well. Uh, yeah. But you put sure. a point in a Knicks uniform, you 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 are going to be put on a different level already, just because the Knicks are so bad. You put up points in a Knicks uniform in the lights of Madison Square Garden in front of the hundreds of fans who may be there because of COVID. Um, you are going to be put on a different a different level than other prospects for sure. Yeah, a- a- absolutely, and and you know that's certainly not a knock on Hayes either. It's just no, it's just with the roster that the Pistons have the type of players that they have that when healthy are going to command the ball and command shots might be a little bit harder uh, for him to do so. But depending on health, you know, certainly he could be vaulted into a number, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be the number one option this year offensively, but you could certainly see him become the number two option at some point, depending on the health of the Pistons. Sure. Let's uh, continue onward in, into the draft. I think the consensus, we definitely like the killing haste pick. Very, very good pick. Um, that's who 
the Pistons needed. That's who they've been kind of pegged to get. So we're both very, very happy with Hayes. Uh, the rest of the draft was a whirlwind. And I'll put the trades into a separate category. So let's just talk about the players themselves, not necessarily uh, how the Pistons um, you know, did in acquiring the other players, including Ariza, who was already shipped away. And then we'll leave the Luke Kennard uh, trade for a little bit later because that's sort of a – to me, that's, that's more like the free agency. Let's just talk about the players. They did draft Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall. Um, really quick, Aaron, what, what do we think about Isaiah Stewart? He seems like a big bruising sort of backup center type. I do like Isaiah Stewart as a player. He runs very hard. He plays very physical. He is uh, a beast down low with the way that he goes towards the rim and uh, with how aggressive he plays. But he also has a little bit of the modern big to him in the sense that he's developing a jump shot. Uh, It's not there yet. He only attempted 23 pointers at Washington, but he can shoot from the mid range. He was a 77% free throw shooter at Washington. So there's kind of the makeup of a player that can develop a shot over time. And when you look at how bigs have um, molded themselves into the NBA of today, that's very, very important. But at the same time, he's a little bit undersized as a center height wise. He's a big bulky body, but he doesn't have the height itself of a a true center. He's kind of a power forward in a center body in a sense. Um, I do like him, but I yeah. don't know how high I am on him. I think he, he, I think I view him more of a a decent backup big rather than a starting level player. Which, you know, just looking at him as a player isn't the worst. But I think when you look into the move uh, that Detroit made, makes it a little bit less of a flashier pick at sixteen. But there's there's certainly a, a lot to like about him, and with the roster construction and the competitiveness of the Pistons probably not being very high this year in terms of winning ball games. He should have plenty of opportunity to develop and it'll give Troy Weaver, Dwayne Casey, and the rest of the Detroit Pistons an opportunity to see how he develops throughout the season. And perhaps if he has a future with the team and in the league. Yes. Um, I don't know too, too much about Stuart either. That pick kind of came out of nowhere, um, but he seems like uh, seems like the ideal, <laughs> the sort of center that Detroit fans would would be enamored with, just because he is this big bruiser, has some go to work attitude um, about about his play. But we will move on to the 19th overall pick, and certainly Sadiq Bay. That whole transition, um, or rather transaction, uh, happened because of the trade of Luke Kennard, and Kennard was the player that you mentioned before that was selected uh, before Donovan Mitchell. And um, we can talk about Canarda a little bit later when we hit the free agency moves to kind of separate the draft and the other acquisitions. But Sadiq Bey, there was a lot of positivity about acquiring or rather trading and getting the rights to Sadiq Bey. Well, I think a lot of people were expecting Bey to be the pick at 16 uh, when the Pistons acquired that pick. And then it ended up being Isaiah Stewart. So I, I saw on my Twitter timeline some people were bummed, but they got their wish when the Pistons made another trade to get the 19th pick overall, albeit at a, a steep price in terms of Luke Kennard and four second-round picks. But I very, very much like Sadiq Bey. He's 6'8", has a 6'11 wingspan, uh, was voted the best small forward in the country. He can play either forward position. Just incredible shooting numbers, uh, 52% from the field. from the three-point line, 73% from the free-throw line, averaged 13.5 points, just about six rebounds and two assists per game. A very good uh, player. And those obviously those stats were per 36, so those weren't his gamely stats. But the numbers are there for him, playing at a very good school, a very good program at Villanova that turns out NBA-level players yearly. There is just so much to like about him on both sides of the floor, and we've already heard Blake Griffin talk about how impressed he's been with Bay, the way he's been learning and trying to develop and asking questions throughout training camp and these practices. There's just so much to like about him. He doesn't have the flashiness that other wings in the draft had. Uh, I think you look at a Denny Advia, he's certainly more of a flashier wing than a Sadiq Bay. But I'm telling you, there is a lot to like about him on both sides of the ball. His size, his maturity, his efficiency, 
there's a whole lot there that Troy Weaver obviously liked. And what everyone has kind of gathered on Weaver so far is his desire to draft high character players. And Sadiq Bay really fits the mold of that. Certainly, certainly love this pick for Detroit. And I think he's a guy that should get plenty of minutes this year. Yeah, the Pistons, like I said earlier, they're going to be one of the younger teams in the NBA and not just younger in terms of um, roster. They're going to be younger in terms of actual people who are on the court who are really young. They're going to get a lot of time. You know, Hayes is going to get a lot of time. Bay seems like he's going to get a lot of time. Um, so it should be really fun to watch. And then I don't know too much about our 38th overall pick here, Saban Lee. So if you want to give a quick word about Lee, he's a, a second round pick. Um, he was uh, uh, acquired um, from the Utah Jazz along with uh, Tony Bradley, who was already moved out of here. So uh, what's, a, what's a quick word on Saban Lee? Well, Saban Lee going to be playing on a two-way contract with the Pistons this year. If I do recall correctly, I believe that was reported by James Edwards uh, of The Athletic. I believe that's the case. Um, but the thing is with him, I don't dislike the pick, although it seemed kind of redundant when Detroit had Jordan Bone on the roster. Obviously, they got rid of Jordan Bone prior to the draft. But at the same time, it, it, not that Detroit really gave up anything to get Saban Lee. They only gave up cash considerations. Um, but it just seemed like it wasn't all that, ex you know, different of a pick than maybe a player like Jordan Bone was projected to be. Lee a little bit bigger, but not by much, only a couple inches. But he fits that very fast and athletic point guard that can get to the rim, really likes to push the ball, play with pace. It's not that I dislike the pick. I'm just not sure that it excites me that much. But it's, it's another prospect for Detroit to, to develop and see how they fit. And all it takes, and, and it seems like what Troy, Weaver, Troy Weaver's mindset was in this draft was to have the opportunity to take chances. And this is just another guy to take a chance on, take a swing on. And if he pans out, great. If he didn't, well, you only gave up cash to get him. So, you know, it's, it's not a pick that I'm going to really critique because there was really no cost to getting him. But it's, it's certainly an interesting, interesting pick. And we'll see how much he plays this year with Killian Hayes and Derrick Rose and DeLon Wright. So there's a lot of different guys that could run the point guard for Detroit already on the roster. We'll see where Saban Lee fits in this year, if at all. Yeah, I think you really nailed it. Um, this was not a strong draft. I think any, any draft expert would say that this is considered a weaker draft comparatively, compared, certainly compared to last year with um, Zion and uh, – RJ Barrett. And it's a matter of, you know, putting as many bullets in your chamber as possible, firing away and seeing if something sticks, seeing, seems like Hayes is going to stick. I, I, you know, the ringer had him as their top overall um, prospect in the draft. Isaiah Stewart, you see if he's going to stick. You see if he could have a backup center type of role. Sadiq Bey, a guy that we all thought was going to be available at 16. And that's who the Pistons were going to take. They ended up getting him at 19, which I think it's pretty good. Um, so it's more of a, just see what sticks, take a, you know, take a chance on some of these younger guys and see if one of them, you know, fits one of those niche roles that are available. Um, I don't know about you. I really thought this was a positive draft. I think some people were really disappointed to give up on Luke Kennard and I, I get that to a certain extent. Um, and, uh, we'll get to free agency later, but the draft itself, um, to me, Aaron, I feel like this is a positive step. This is sort of out with the old, in with the new Troy, Troy Weaver, getting the guys that he wants on the roster to build up. You know, he inherited a, some some pieces from that former regime that were sort of not liked super, super well. They didn't fit. They were injured. You know, it didn't fit the the, the mold that uh, Troy, Re, Troy Weaver wants to work within. But overall, to me, it seems positive. You're exactly right. This was... I want my guys. I'm going to tear this roster down to its very fiber and I'm going to create it how I want to do it. Um, so yes, it was a lot to give up in the Sadiq Bay trade. You give up Luke Kennard in four second round picks, but at the same time, you have to look at Luke Kennard's injury history. He's already 24. He's going to, you know, be searching for a payday. Do you want to pay him? Does he even fit your timeline? So not the, you know, it, it's not like, even if you dislike the trade, you couldn't call it a terrible, terrible decision um, because you were going to have to pay Luke Kennard and he probably wasn't going to fit into your timeline. 
So it's not like it was that big of a loss. I didn't love the trade when it happened. I like it a lot better after they made the selection they made in Sadiq Bay, because that was a guy I was maybe anticipating Detroit taking at 16. So it kind of made up for that. But overall, I would say it was absolutely a positive draft for Detroit. I think they got the best player in the draft, in my opinion, in Killian Hayes. I think Sadiq Bay is going to be a good two-way forward in the league. And again, they get to take shots on Isaiah Stewart and Saban Lee. And, and when you're a rebuilding team and you're one of a new rebuild under a new general manager, those guys are going to get their opportunities. And it's not like they're commanding big, big money uh, to take those stabs at with these guys. So certainly a positive draft for Detroit. Absolutely, Mike. Yes. Um, I think there was so much to happen on draft night that, uh, you know, it's, it's actually refreshing to see the Pistons super active in a, in a, in a positive way. I mean, we had an article about the Pistons being active about getting Blake Griffin. And we thought that was a little bit, not, you know, not the sort of hyperactivity that you're looking for. You, that's that, um, that was quite, quite a move, but this, you know, being active, moving pieces around, at least there is, from a draft perspective, there is a vision moving forward. Um, so that was the NBA draft for the Detroit Pistons. They made a lot of very interesting moves, none bigger than Killian Hayes. And before we move on to free agency, where I have some pointed opinions about the Pistons free agency, um, I wanted to mention to our listeners a special offer exclusive to Palace of Pistons. Um, you can pick up former Detroit Piston and mayor of Detroit, Dave Bing, Detroit great, his new book, Attacking the Rim, from triumphbooks.com, using code PISTONS30 for 30% off your order. Uh, read about Dave Bing's journey from NBA legend to business leader to a big city mayor. Uh, again, head to triumphbooks.com and use PISTONS30 for 30% off your order. Dave Bing, obviously one of Detroit, one of the Detroit legends, one of NBA's uh, legends as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very, very excited to read this book, Mike. They actually were kind enough to send me a copy. So I, I received it the other day. I'm very excited to get into it. And this is a great, great opportunity. You know, if you're looking to, to purchase this book, 30% off, that's not bad. Uh, so Dave Bing, obviously a very, very storied career, both in the NBA and in the political sphere, serving as the mayor of Detroit. So I'm very excited to dive into that book. Yes, absolutely. And again, that is Pistons 30 for 30% off your order. That is from triumphbooks.com. So read all about Dave Bing, uh, his journey from NBA legend to the mayor of Detroit. Okay, we are on to Pistons free agency. And if you thought the draft was too much for your brain to handle, uh, you might need to grab some aspirin because free agency was um, taken up to the next level. Um, I'm going to go through these acquisitions uh, a little bit quick. I think some of them are sort of whatever. Um, we'll, we'll circle back around to losing Luke Kennard, trading him uh, and sort of punting on that, on that pick. And maybe we'll have a Luke Kennard discussion for a, another day about exactly everything that happened with him and his eventual exit. He was a very pointed uh, um guy that a lot of Pistons fans try to rally around, especially since he was taken before Donovan Mitchell. But let's start with uh, um, the acquisitions that the Pistons did, did make for free agency here. Let's start with Jeremy Grant. I think that was easily the biggest one. Three years, $60 million. Um, Aaron, I'll let you go first to talk about Jeremy Grant because personally, I don't, I don't really like this move. Um, I know that Denver Nuggets fans really hate this move. Um, what do you think about Jeremy Grant? I'm not the biggest fan of the signing, to be completely honest. And that's been my stance since the very moment that the signing was made on opening night of free agency. I think it's a lot of money to commit to a player that was not the number one and not the number two option on this Denver team that was very good. I think his performance levels were raised as the byproduct of playing for a very good coach, a very good system, and alongside – one of the two very good playmakers, one of the best players in the league in Nikolai Jokic. I just don't know if he's worth that money. And it creates a positional logjam to the point where Sekou Dumboya, your one of your building stones currently 
is now forced to come off the bench. And I know there are people that think he's fine coming off the bench, but the Pistons are going to be bad. Sekou Dumboya should be playing 35 minutes a night, and he should have the opportunity to start. But with Jeremy Grant and Blake Griffin at the small forward and power forward spot, respectively, there's no way for that to be possible. The other logistical fitting of Grant that makes me question this signing is his position. He is really a power forward. Yep. Basketball reference, he played 62% of his, of his minutes at power forward last season. He only played 36% at small forward. They didn't have him as a small forward at all in the 2018-19 season. So, yes, he can play small forward, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he fits there uh, for likely, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night. He's probably going to see some minutes at the four spot as well, but he's going to start at the three spot. uh, Yeah. Considering Blake Griffin is healthy and playing. And if that's the case, you know, that's how it's going to be. It's – He's a fine player. He's a good player. He's a good yes. defender. He's very athletic. He's a great role player. But you just paid a role player $20 million. And it kind of – Per year. Yes, per year. And it kind of brings me back to the 2016 offseason when all of these guys left and right, Timothy Mozgov, Luol Deng, uh, John Luer, were getting paid big, Ooh. big, big Ooh. money when they were role players at best. And, and Jeremy Grant, NBA champion, Timothy Mozgov to you, my friend. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> but Jeremy Grant at best is a, a starting level role player, which means he's a good player, but it's tough to pay him $20 million. Uh, I just don't, don't love this signing. If the Pistons didn't have Blake Griffin, I'd probably be singing a much different tune right now. But because they already have a lot of money tied up in Blake Griffin, they just tied up another $60 million in Jeremy Grant. And now their two highest paid yeah. players play the two positions that their one or one of their two young wings play. And really both the young wings are now kind of stuck because Sekou and Sadiq, whether you put one of them at three, or one of them at the four, it doesn't matter. They're both coming off the bench in the immediate because of Jeremy Grant and Blake Griffin. And again, it's not like, those, those positions just open up after a season. Blake Griffin has another year left on his deal, and obviously Jeremy Grant after this upcoming season will have two more years left on his deal. So there will have to be some roster construction uh, changes if Sekou or if Sadiq Bey are part of the Pistons' plans uh, moving forward. I just don't love this signing. He's a good player, but at the money and what it does in terms of roster construction, I don't love the, love the signing. He was an effective player on a playoff team. In a, in, a, in a role and a capacity that fit him very well. On a team that needed him, they needed that defensive presence. They needed that length. And, the, and the, I'm sorry, the Nuggets were still not a very good defensive team. Um, I, I honestly, I don't get the signing. I mean, if, if you're thinking he's going to play the three, I guess that has some, some extra merit, but he didn't play the three. Like you said, 62% of the time is spent at the four. Unless they're planning on going super small lineups with Blake at center. And that's their plan moving forward. I just don't understand giving a guy who, you know, I, I understand he wants a bigger role. I think every player who starts to play well thinks, oh, yeah, you know, extrapolate this out and I could do a lot, uh, you know, over more minutes. But I just don't think Detroit was the place to do that. I mean, they had the cap space. And I think that that's sort of the one of the things that Troy Weaver is looking at is, you know, he's going to take a shot on a free agent maybe in, in a year. Um, he's able to move Grant, uh, or he plays well in some limited minutes on a bad team, pads those stats, and he looks more tradable. Um, I I don't really get it, other than he's a competent player on a team that, for the most part, is going to have a lot of gross incompetencies. Um, but if you don't like that move, then we'll move on to Mason Plumley, and that's a move that I get even less um, at three years, twenty-four million. And we have a question later on about should they have just re-signed Christian Wood? Um, maybe that was not an option because he didn't want to stay on a losing team. And uh, he certainly voiced his opinion about that on Twitter a few times. But Mason Plumley at three years, $24 million. I, again, you're, you're poaching two Denver Nuggets, which theoretically is good, but two of those players are not Jokic or Jamal Murray. So what do we think about Mason Plumley? You know, I really dislike the signing at first. 
I just like it a little bit less now. I still think it's an exorbitant amount of money for Plumlee. I think the Pistons could have found a cheaper center, let's be honest. And if they weren't going to re-sign Christian Wood, which is against something we might get into a little bit later. But for three years, $24 million, you know, he's making about $8 million annually. I get it. He sets good screens. He's athletic. You know, he understands the, the pick-and-roll game. Those are great things. But to pay him $8 million, it's just a head-scratcher, to be completely honest with you. There's no denying yeah. just like Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley brings some positive things to the table and can help the Pistons and can help Killian Hayes develop. But I just don't understand the years and the money. I'm sure that there were better options at a cheaper price. If they wanted to really spend on a center, they should have just done so with Christian Wood. Um, I just don't love the signing. I, I really don't. I don't either, uh, especially when you look at some of these other moves that were made. I think Jalil Okafor, I think that's the kind of big backup big that Detroit should have been swinging at, you know, low risk, high reward. He could play backup center. That's a fine role for him. And, you know, if he has one of those weird games where he's able to play out of his mind, like he was supposed to be when he was drafted, then great. Then, then you've got this, uh, you know, a little bit of an upside for this younger player. And then, you take all that Mason Plumlee money and you put it towards a guy like Christian Woods so that you can, can, can continue um, to work with him. And he, he's a, a, he would have been a good fit alongside Killian Hayes as, you know, the big that, that, you know, run, uh, that runs alongside him. Um, so I, again, I don't get the Mason Plumlee move. I'm going to kind of sweep through these other ones, uh, these other transactions that are a little bit smaller and then we'll move on. Um, to what we were impressed with and least impressed with. Josh Jackson, two years, 10 million. I think a lot of Pistons Twitter was screaming into the void to, to sign Josh Jackson, a, another low-risk, high-reward guy, never panned out in Phoenix. He was dealt. Memphis didn't want to keep him. Uh, he got two years, 10 million. Again, low-risk, high-reward. Wayne Ellington comes back, makes his grand Pistons return, one year, 2.5 mil. I already mentioned Jalil Okafor. Um, the interesting one is DeLon Wright. Uh, via a trade, um, he had some some comments about he, how he always thought he would end up with Detroit. Um, so between J uh, Josh Jackson, Jalil Okafor, Wayne Ellington, and DeLon Wright, uh, which one of those do you think makes the biggest immediate impact? You know, Wright's kind of, he's a point guard. He is in this now this log jam with Rose and with Killian Hayes. Uh, out of those other signings, which, which one do you think uh, has the biggest immediate impact? I think outside of your, your, I guess, big two acquisitions and Grant and Plumlee, I think that DeLon Wright is the guy that should have the biggest impact right away. There's some talk that he could even start. Um, you know, he's, he came into the league as a one with his size. He was kind of put into a two-guard spot, so he can play either guard position. Uh, he has good size. He's getting paid pretty well. You know, he's got $18.5 million left on his contract over the – uh, these next two seasons. So they didn't just bring him in to sit on the back burner of the bench. He's going to play. He's probably going to play pretty significantly. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I personally don't see him starting at the two guard spot, but I see him being in the rotation. I see him, you know, playing minutes at both the one and two, maybe even the three and some three guard lineups. Uh, so I think there's going to be uh, a, a, it's going to be an opportunity for DeLon Wright to succeed in the play. He talked about wanting to play under Dwayne Casey. Obviously, those two have a very good relationship. So, you know, that wouldn't be the case if he was going to be on the back end of the bench. Wright's going to play right away. Oh, yeah, he'll, he will definitely play. And he'll get some run. You know, Rose has injury history. And Hayes, you know, if he does really poorly out of the gate, maybe Dwayne Casey pulls him. You know, it's good to have a guy um, on your roster that you can turn to to just kind of stop the bleeding a little bit. Um, the DeLon Wright move, I think, um, you know, added more, more depth to a position that always needs more depth. Um, so I, I, I do like that. I think Wayne Ellington is going to end up, he's one of those guys that Troy Weaver looked in and said, I, gosh, I hope he balls out and starts hitting some threes. And then you're able to move him at the deadline and, you know, acquire more assets. Um, Okafor and Jackson, I think are probably going to be here to, you know, to stay unless Okafor has some Christian Wood like glow up where he's able to move him on a super cheap contract, maybe not exactly like a Christian Wood Globe, because that's just extreme, but um, Josh Jackson for two years and 10 million seems like they're going to try to 
want to quote-unquote fix him. The big losses for the Pistons were Christian Wood, like we've said, Luke Kennard, like we've said, um, Bruce Brown, which I, I don't I don't understand that move whatsoever. Uh, and then t- Tony Snell uh, to Atlanta. That's sort of a whatever move to me. Um, which of these uh, signings were you most uh, impressed with? I think I'm not be many. <laughs> right. I think I'm most impressed with the Josh Jackson signing. I, I don't know if that's a, a player that's going to turn out, but he was certainly playing good basketball on Memphis. And if he can kind of put his off court issues outside of his world and play basketball and not get into trouble and not cause any issues, he could be a competitive and a contributing player to this roster, not only next season, but potentially four years to come. He's just 24 years old. Um, so I, I do. I was I was very happy with that signing. I think I think there's a player there if he can just kind of get the off the court issues out of the way. What about least impressed? I mean, it's, there's plenty to pick from. I mean, for me, it, it's Mason Plumley. Uh, but what do you think? I'm. It, well, it's between Grant and Plumley because to be honest with you. I like Josh Jackson, Jaleel Okafor, Wayne Ellington, and DeLon Wright. I think they all serve some sort of purpose for the Pistons. I'm going to pick Grant, not only because of the money, but again, because of the way he creates a logjam for the Pistons. And I'm not saying that Sekou Dumboya and Sadiq Sadiq Bey should get every single minute at the three or at the four, but they could have signed someone else that was cheaper and was like keeping Tony Snell would have been fine or getting a, a guy of that stature where you're, you know, not paying him for four, four, three, four years. You're not paying him $20 million. And to the point where they're going to be a part of your, your offense and a part of your team at a, at a high level, it's to where a guy like Sekou and Bay or Bay could start over them or easily work their way over them into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Grant's there to stay. Grant's not going yep. there. Uh, and, again, the money and the way he locks up the position just really does not excite me because the Pistons should be giving all of their – or a large chunk of their minutes to young guys, giving them plenty of opportunity. Right. This creates a log jam. Yeah. No, it's definitely a, a good point. I, I just think I'm sick of seeing Plumleys, uh, and maybe that's why I picked Mason Plumley. <laughs> um, so – should the Pistons have just re-signed Christian Wood? I've kind of been alluding to it a lot with my distaste for Mason Plumlee. Um, to me, I think they should have just tried to keep him. And maybe that was never an option. Maybe he told the Pistons, you know, yeah, I'm not going to sign an extension to stay here. I've, I've seen, I've seen what this is like. I've seen what the losing is like. I, I, I want to cash in on my um, great season last year. And then I want to do it on a winning team. And he certainly gets that with the Houston Rockets, uh, although they are a bit of a mess now, now they seem to be cleaning up that mess by moving on from Russ and bringing in another guy who hasn't played in what feels like 10 years. It's only been two years, but you know, he gets on a winning team. Maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe he told the, the Pistons brass that that's, that's what I want. So the Pistons have just tried to re-sign Christian Wood. Cause to me, the, you know, the answer is yes. They should have done what they can to keep somebody that they found a, who was not a blue chip prospect, who was this low risk medium reward that turned into high reward. Why, why not just keep him? It doesn't really make sense unless he truly didn't want to be in Detroit. Um, when you spend $84 million on Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, I don't see the reasoning potentially being, oh, we didn't have the money to resign Christian Wood. We didn't want to spend that kind of money on a player. You absolutely could have. And Christian Wood would be, have been a very good pick-and-roll partner for Killian Hayes. May not be the screen setter of a Mason Plumlee, but he's a pick-and-pop threat. He's very explosive at the rim. He can catch lobs uh, at, at incredibly high difficulty due to his length and athleticism. It just made all the sense in the world to, to keep Christian Wood uh, a higher value, a higher award, some familiar uh, – I can't say familiarity. I just can't say the word. I don't know what it is. I'm not allowed to <laughs> can't say it. But he understood the Pistons' offensive scheme and defensive schemes already from playing under Dwayne Casey for a season. There was just so many reasons to keep Christian Wood that if he wanted to be a Piston, 
there it, it's unacceptable that they didn't keep him, especially after what they decided to spend their money on. Right. I mean, they had a lot of cap space. They were one of those teams with a lot of cap space heading into the offseason, and we all thought, ooh, they moved down from Andre Drummond. They don't have to deal with you know, his player option. What are they going to do with it? Well, you just saw what they did with it. They gave, they gave a lot of it to, you know, to Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee and then signed a couple of low-end guys to fill that out. I would have liked to see them try to a little bit harder to re-sign Christian Wood. I, I, I really think that that would have uh, not only excited Pistons fans that, you know, they keep a player, you know, they keep a guy who, who is a good player, um, who, who uh, the fans sort of fell in love with after they moved on from Andre Drummond and um, whatnot. I think it would have been smart to keep him, but this is all Troy Weaver wanted to get the guys who he wanted. And again, this may be all just a moot point if, if Wood did not want to sign with the Pistons, period. Um, no exception. So um, that's the Detroit Pistons free agency. It was a whirlwind. It was very, it was very hectic. They made a lot of moves that we might be scratching our heads at um, a couple of months into the season, but uh, we don't have time to think about it too much because training camp is basically here. <laughs> uh, we, we look at all these moves and put them on paper, think about how they fit. Oh, and all, Oh, and by the way, all of a sudden it's time for um, training camp. So uh, training camp has started for the Pistons. Um, the lineup. We already know that Killian Hayes is going to be the starting point guard. Uh, we can probably figure out who else is going to fill out that spot. You know, Jeremy Grant, he's going to be in the lineup. Most like they're, he, he better be. They paid him enough money. Blake Griffin will be in the lineup. They're paying him a lot of money too. Um, how does the rest of the lineup and the rotation sort of shake out for Detroit? Well, I think there's four guys guaranteed to be starting, at least right now with Killian Hayes being named the starter. I'm going to include him in that. I think the starting lineup obviously features Killian Hayes, Jeremy Grant, Griffin, and Mason Plumley. It gets interesting at the two-guard spot. Personally, I feel that it should be Svima Hailuk. With the way that he played last season and the things that he showed, he earned the job and should be given the opportunity at the beginning of the season. If he doesn't play well, then fine, you know, move him to the bench, demote him. But after the way he played last year, giving a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope to the Pistons in such a disastrous and demoralizing season, I think he earned that spot. But I think that DeLon Wright's going to give him competition for that. Um, obviously we know Dwayne Casey likes him a lot and DeLon Wright is an established NBA player and he's getting paid $19 million. So he's, he's going to be in the rotation at some capacity. And I think he competes with Swima Hailuk for that starting two guard spot. But the, uh, with Killian Hayes starting, obviously Derek Rose is going to be your six man, your backup point guard. And if Svee starts, then it's most likely going to be DeLon Wright coming off the bench at the two guard spot although I would have liked to have seen Josh Jackson get minutes there. And then your forward spots, it should obviously be with them not being able to start, should obviously be Sadiq Bey and Sekou Dumboya at the three and four spot. Um, but they could get competition from Josh Jackson, DeLon Wright, and Wayne Ellington for minutes there, uh, especially at the three-guard spot. Maybe not so much the four. The four should be one of Sekou or Sadiq Bey, and I would really hope that Sekou Dumboya is in the rotation uh, to begin the season. And then the five spot. Uh, there's, you know, multiple centers left on this Pistons roster. Isaiah Stewart, one of them. But we talked about Jaleel Okafor, and I think he's uh, he's earned the right to at least begin the season as your backup five. I think it kind of goes along the same line of what Dwayne Casey did with Thon Maker and Christian Wood last season. If Christian Wood outperformed Thon Maker like he did, obviously he got into the rotation. I think it's Jaleel Okafor's spot to lose. He's going to be given the right to do so. Uh, and, I, you know, if Isaiah Stewart gets spot minutes here and there or in practice outperforms Jaleel Okafor, then maybe we see that change. But that's kind of how the 10-man rotation shakes out for me. So on the outside looking in, you have Wayne Ellington, you have Josh Jackson, you have Isaiah Stewart uh, outside of the rotation right now. But who knows? Casey could go deeper. We've seen it before in games. He could go 11-12 deep and fit some of these other guys in It's for some spot minutes. Aaron, this is a all-over sort of roster right now. I mean, Jalil Okafor as the starting center, he, it, it, you would have told somebody that last year. They would have asked, you know, what's wrong with you? Have you recently been in a hospital? Are you okay? Um, what are we looking for in the short term? 
for this, or rather in this shortened preseason. I mean, personally, I, I just want to see basketball. For me personally, I would like to see my favorite team play basketball uh, and not on a video game. Um, that's, that's just me. It's been a while since we've seen this. Or perhaps basketball that was not a rerun on YouTube because that's what I've had to vicariously live through um, without both the Pistons and the Cavaliers. Is there anything we need to look for? I mean, I don't know if you're going to get a whole bunch of rotation um, signs, at least from Detroit. I think their rotation is going to be really fluid. You know, there are guys who, you know, they may just want to start playing the young guys. They may want to try to give the vets, you know, plenty of minutes to, to up their trade value. I think it's going to be very fluid. But if we're going to look at anything in the preseason, what are some things that we want to look for? I think it's all about Killian Hayes and Sekou Dumboya seeing how they look right now. Those are the two main building blocks of the franchise moving forward. It's all about getting Killian Hayes comfortable. It's all about seeing how Sekou Dumboya has reshaped himself after an up and down rookie season. And then obviously it's how do the new guys look and you know what's the offense going to look right like this year? Has Dwayne Casey made many changes? Where does everyone fit in? And I think another thing that is maybe not getting talked about as much with how much the roster has changed is who is Blake Griffin? Is he going to, to be the Blake Griffin of years past where he oh, was definitely. a player? And that's very important for Detroit, both competitively and roster building wise. If he becomes out and he's playing very good basketball, there's, there's a chance that the Pistons could move him for positive value, but that's looking ahead way into the season. Looking for the, pre- yes. the preseason, it's seeing where Killian Hayes and Sekou Dumboya, as well as some of the other young guys are, looking at the new guys and how they're going to fit onto the roster and who is Blake Griffin in the current day. Do you think we're going to learn anything about the Pistons rotation from this or is, or is, is the preseason? Because we really – these rookies don't have a lot of time. They really don't have a lot of time. In fact, the fact that Dwayne Casey is going to sign himself up for the Killian Hayes show as a starting point guard to me is a little bit – surprising I mean he's only had a few weeks to really learn the offense and maybe that's not a big problem for him maybe he is this you know world-renowned uh, uh, talent that just kind of picks it up like like a sponge but um, are we going to learn anything about the rotation at least um, in the short term from these preseason games or is this just kind of kind of be a carousel where we you know there's tons of different players playing and just seeing what sticks I think it's probably going to be more so of the latter um Let's, you know, it's going to be, let's just throw these guys out there and let's see how, I think it's going, the preseason is going to be used to see what potential rotations could look like because obviously rotations go much further beyond the starting five. Um, You know, what's the first string of subs going to be? What's my backup unit? If they're all out on the floor together going to look like and who fits best with who and who makes the right plays with this person and that person, you know, you look back to the, the synergy that Blake Griffin and Wayne Ellington had when Ellington was with the Pistons a couple seasons ago, you know, there's things like that that are going to be looked at as well. So I don't know if it'll give you your definitive rotation. In fact, I I bet highly against it, but it's going to be used to see potential rotations and potential pairings and, and, and groupings that work best together. Uh, but I don't know if you're going to really get a definitive answer on this is what my starting five is going to look like. This right. is what my backup five is going to look like. And these are the guys on the outside looking in. I, I'd be shocked. And um, we'll, we'll do, we'll do one more point because I think it's important. You know, when we, when, when the Pistons traded Bruce Brown, when the Pistons traded Luke Kennard, those were two guys who were supposed to be the building blocks and maybe Bruce Brown to a lesser extent, but he, he carved himself a role. Those are, those are two guys that Pistons Twitter really, really, you know, it was sort of a galvanizing force. You know, we wanted both of these players to do really well. Do you have any closing thoughts about Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown? Because personally, I think he's an excellent fit with the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's sort of the swing, you know, swing and a miss type of prospect that the Pistons should not have given up on, um, but could fit really well on a contender like that. And then especially Luke Kennard. I mean, this, this was a guy who was picked uh, over Donovan Mitchell. Any closing thoughts on those two players as they end their Pistons tenure? The Pistons didn't deserve Bruce Brown. Uh, Dwayne Casey didn't want to play him at the point guard position. That's where Bruce Brown played his best basketball consistently. That's where Bruce Brown looked like the most complete player. So if he was unwilling to play him at his spot 
and I'm not saying Bruce Brown was a Pistons point guard of the future and that he couldn't play the two guard at all. But when you're not willing to give that guy an opportunity at his best position, you don't deserve to have him on your roster. And he's going to fit incredibly well with Brooklyn. When you have yes. offensive firepower with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, you obviously don't need Joe Harris isolation score and a ton of shooting. Yeah. Joe Harris as well. And you know, some other guys certainly, but Bruce Brown is going to come in and he's going to be your ball Hawk defensively. He can handle some secondary distributing. Um, and he's not going to cause any problems. He's just going to give you a hundred percent on both sides of the floor and he can guard the opposing team's best guard. You know, he is a fine young player and was developing very well in Detroit considering yep. where he was drafted. That's certainly a loss for the Pistons, but they obviously didn't see the player that Bruce Brown had become, so they didn't deserve to get to keep him in the first place. The Luke Kennard, I like the Luke Kennard a lot. I still do, and I think he's a great fit for the Clippers. I think the Nets and Clippers both got players that fit very well within their roster. Yep. Kennard, just a knockdown shooter, uh, can alleviate some of the pressure off of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, or could really make teams pay for not guarding him and being so focused on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, He's just, he's going to fit very well there. And he has grown as a player as way more than just a spot up shooter can score off the dribble rebounds well for his position and was really blossoming as a distributor and a ball handler. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a very positive, positive piece for the Los Angeles Clippers. And I'll be very interested, interested to see what kind of market he has as a free agent next off season. And I think you nailed it on why the Clippers wanted him. They wanted a low cost alternative to somebody who can handle the ball. I mean, Luke Kennard handled the ball at least last season. He handled it more in Detroit. And I don't know if you saw some of those games where Landry Shamit was handling the ball. Landry Shamit cannot handle the ball. I mean, it was almost, it was almost shocking. I, I had not watched too much of Landry Shamit until he was dealt to Los Angeles and then when he was put on this bigger pedestal, he can't handle the ball. Luke Kennard can handle the ball. And, of course, Shaman was also traded away, and Kennard sort of replaces him. But Kennard's ability to handle the basketball, that's what the Clippers were really lacking at times. You know, they do have good guards with Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, but they needed somebody else who could handle the basketball, and Kennard fits that super well. And like you said, Bruce Brown with the Nets, again, will carve out a great role. I mean, that offensive firepower they do have – you know, you mentioned Duran and Irving, but they do have Joe Harris. They do have Spencer Dinwiddie. They do have Karis LeVert. They have a ton of offensive talent already, and Bruce Brown should be able to sort of snake his way in there and 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 be the, the ball hawk, like you said. So, Aaron, that is our sort of off-season overview. There's really never an off-season, it seems like, with Troy Weaver because he's constantly – it seems like he's constantly looking for something else out there. I, I think if Blake Griffin starts to play well the first couple of weeks, he's going to start to dangle that name and that giant contract out there too. But any closing thoughts on the, the Pistons offseason? Would you give it a grade? That's tough to do. It's I, I'm not a big grade guy, um, but I, I'm looking at it this way. I like their draft. and I didn't like their big signings in free agency. I like some of their secondary signings. I'm going to give it a C. I'm going to give it – I'll give it a C plus, C plus. I would agree. Uh, I was going to give it the exact same thing. You know, I don't think it's really good or great. I don't think it's bad either. Uh, It's not as if Mason Plumlee or or Jeremy Grant really cripple you. But at the same time, it's a lot of money and you you sign them long-term. It's tough to like that. Um, It's a C plus. Prove me wrong. It's a prove me wrong kind of off season uh, in that sense. Sure. Sure. And, I think maybe some people were hoping for some direction or they would want to see that cap space used in a different way. But here's the reality of it. The draft was not a very strong draft and the free agency class was really not strong at all. I mean, sure. Anthony Davis was technically a free agent, but he really never was. It was not strong on either front. The Pistons made moves that filled small roles. There is a loaded draft coming up here next year. The Pistons should be looking towards that. And, um, yeah, I give it a C plus as well. I don't know what I would have done if I had, you know, to push it up to a B or an A. Maybe if you keep Christian Wood and don't sign Mason Plumlee, that that would give, that would make it a B plus for me because I like to see them keep players that they, you know, I, I wouldn't say Christian Wood's a homegrown player, but he's a guy that they, you know, that they picked up. They had some faith in him. He got all the minutes after Andre Drummond was dealt, and he played really well. Maybe that would have pushed it to a B, 
but overall I think it is a C plus and you know, like you said, we'll wait and see. So with that, um, that is going to do it for this episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast. This is episode 109, even though we haven't had an episode in what seems like 109 days. It might actually be close to 109 days. It might be a little bit more than 109 days. But um, this is episode 109. Um, I've been with Darren Johnson. My name is Mike Angolano. I'd like to thank you all for joining us and uh, stick with us. We're going to be doing a lot more Pistons uh, podcasts and coverage as we head into the season. Finally, the Detroit Pistons are back playing basketball. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.